Anybody here have imagination? I was having this imagination yesterday of this church service, and it was a traditional church service, and there was this lady singing this song called Spirit of the Living God Fall Fresh on Me. Y'all remember that song? <laughs> and, and she was, yeah, she was singing this song, and then in my imagination I saw the Lord fall in the church. And everybody was upset because of what was happening. And I said to these people in my imagination, what do you expect? You ask him to fall. <laughs> so this morning when we sing that first song, Your Kingdom Come, Rain, be careful when you sing stuff like that. <laughs> the Lord comes. The Lord is available to us. And that's what happened. We sang that song and what happened? Boom. The Holy Spirit decided he wanted to come. So, Lord, help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I know he kind of upsets the apple cart, but that's good. <laughs> Amen? Are y'all good? Yeah, thank you, Lord. Let's turn out to Luke 7. We try to share this. This is Luke 7, 1 through 10. Now, this is a well-known story in the Bible. Okay, Luke 7, 1 through 10. This is the, the healing of the centurion servant. I think probably most people who been in the, you know, been a Christian for any time at all knows this story. But um, this, um, well, this is my testimony about this. For one year, a little over a year right now, this story has run in the background of my mind. You know how there's, there's certain computer programs that run in the background of your computer. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but there's programs that are running back in the background that you don't see that are sneaking in there on the Internet, and they will slow your computer down and make it bog down. Uh, but this was a, that's sort of what's been happening to me, but this has been a good thing because I have thought about this over and over and over and over because God was really trying to really speak some things to me in this story. And I wanted to read some and share some things this morning about this, which I think can really help us uh, in what the Lord wants to do and how the Lord wants to use us. Uh, it says, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Uh, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. See, he just heard about Jesus, and, you know, that's all he knew. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that he, that the one for whom he should do this was deserving for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. So he's a good guy. You know, he's a good guy. He did some good things. Then Jesus, he was a Roman soldier too, by the way. Centurion, Roman soldier, invader, possessor, you know. But he also had a heart for, for the nation of Israel. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Now, of course, we know they said he was worthy. He said, I'm not worthy. Okay? That's what he said. Lord, you know, he had a different perspective of himself. He didn't see that what he had done as something that uh, counted him worthy for the Lord to come to his house. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. So that's a pretty, pretty cool story in the Bible. And uh, so that I want to just go ahead and tell you now, just so you get it in your mind, that send your word... Okay, that's the thing. Send your word and my servant will be healed. Um, and that word there is in the Bible. It's the word logos, which is the Bible. It's the written word of God. Okay? That's the thing in that scripture that really was a bothersome to me is that <clears throat> this guy just said, send your logos and my servant will be healed. That's all it's going to take. And that's the thing that the Lord really began to deal with me about. And he really began to show me how, you know, we have the kingdom of heaven inside of us right this moment. It's in us. That's what the Bible says. So we have to learn how to access the kingdom of heaven. Okay, it's not just because it's in us doesn't mean it's automatically going to be manifested through us. Look at the way some Christians act. I mean, sincere Christians. They act bad. That's not manifesting the kingdom. So the Lord's been trying to teach me how to access the kingdom of heaven, how to lay hold of it. And I think here is the keys to be able to lay hold of the kingdom because we're supposed to be that gate, right? Remember last week I talked about being the gate of heaven. The church is called to be the gate. And individually we're called to be gates. We are the ones who control the gate of what... Of what goes into heaven and what comes out of heaven. You got that? What goes into heaven is people who get saved. We're the ones the gospel message has been given to. Okay? And what comes out of heaven? Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. That's The prayer was not to create the kingdom, to bring the kingdom for the first time. It was no, it was not getting something for us, it's getting something for God to release the kingdom. And when we're praying that prayer, we're actually saying to God, I'm a gate, Lord. I want my gate to open so heaven can flow through my life into the world around me. And that's really the truth. Um, but first, so just that as a background, the first thing I want to talk about is, and what everybody focuses on on this is faith. Because Jesus said, I have never seen such great faith. Not in Israel. This guy's got some serious faith. Now, just, just to help you with the faith thing, okay? Because... Faith thing is really important. It's not the only thing in here, but it's, the, it's really the, the base. In other words, if you look at this the way I look at it, there's this whole platform here, and, and everything sets on the faith. You know, everything that happened is setting on the faith. It's resting on the faith. Now, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, what that says is it, it says that faith gives our heart eyes to see the invisible. Okay, that's what faith does. It, that's simply what it does. It gives your, your heart, the eyes of my heart being enlightened, that's what Paul prayed in Ephesians, it gives your heart the eyes to see the invisible world. Isn't that what the famous uh, explanation of faith in Hebrews 11.1, 1, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? Because it's that unseen kingdom of heaven that faith that we need the eyes to see. And that's what Paul said, is that's how we live our Christian life. That's how we walk through and navigate this world, is we look into the invisible realm. And he was saying it as if that's what you Christians should be doing. 
You should be seeing invisible things. And the centurion saw something in Jesus that nobody else saw. Nobody was seeing what he was seeing. He was seeing something. And that's why Jesus said, this guy's got some faith going here. Because his faith gave him eyes to see who Jesus really was. And to see the authority that Jesus had and the power that Jesus had. It wasn't just what other things that Jesus did. He knew Jesus, has, he saw this power in Jesus that Jesus didn't even have to be near him for that power to be released. He could be over yonder, somewhere else. Just say this word, your word. He was seeing something. And Jesus said, this guy's got some faith. Now, I'll turn over to Romans. Let's look at Romans 5. We're, gonna, we're talking about faith just for a minute. Everybody good? Romans 5. This is great. This is one of my favorite verses right now. It says, having, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful verse in the Bible. You know, man, peace is what everybody wants. Just give me some peace. I had this great argument this week with Windstream. And I said to this woman at one point, I feel like I'm being punished by you. We're not punishing you, sir. I've spent hours on the phone trying to get something simple. I had no peace with them. But then it says, through whom, we, through whom also we have, listen, access. Everybody say access. Access by faith into this grace world, this kingdom world, this invisible world. We have access in this world by, which we, in which we stand and rejoice in the hope, hope of glory of God. So it's by faith we access this world. Okay? And you have to see this world to be able to access this world. Or you have to hear this world to be able to access it. Okay? This is a real world. This, this invisible world. It's very real. And God wants us to access this world. We're not supposed to be just Christians living in this natural realm. And uh, I was talking to this guy last night. <laughs> Give me this key about this dude, man. I had this interesting conversation. This guy is not a Christian. But he's very interested in this invisible world. And he was telling me, so tell me about who your favorite theologian was. That's what he said to me. I said, well, that's easy. It's Jonathan Edwards. He said, really? He said, well, I sort of am interested in the mystic part of Christianity. I said, oh, yeah, me too, man. I said, that's what I'm all about, really. I said, in fact, that's what Christianity is supposed to be all about, is the invisible world. He said, tell me about that invisible world. I said, well, that invisible world is very real. Tell me some of your experiences with it. I'm thinking, uh, I don't think I want to tell this guy this because he's going to think I'm an idiot. I mean, he's going to reject the fool out of me when I start telling him stuff. No, tell me some experience. I said, well, I hear God speak to me. Tell me what he says to you. What does it sound like? This guy went through this, and I kept trying to avoid it and just saying, well, you know, I've seen angels. What do they look like? How did they come? He was really wanting to know about this world. Tell me about demons. He wanted to know all about demons. I was telling He said, how do you get demons out of people? So I told him, he said, I can tell you a couple more things you need to add to your book of tricks. That's what he said. He said, you know, demons can't cross running water. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, also, you, he said, you build your house over a river and demons can't get to you. I said, I've never heard that. That's what he was telling He said, also, you can take a person and put them in a the bathtub and get five pounds of salt and put it on their head and pour water over them. That'll get rid of the demons. I said, Really? And I was thinking, what am I going to say to him? I said, hey, you know this river thing is really real. He said, what do you mean? I said, there really is a river, a spiritual river that comes out of heaven. He said, really? I said, yeah, it really is real. I said, in fact, I get in that river all the time. Really? Tell me about this river. 
I went on and on with this guy talking about this stuff. It was the greatest conversation I ever had. But I realized this guy, at the end, I said this. I said, listen. Because he said, how'd you get in the ministry? I said, this is how I got in it. Because God visited me one time, and I felt his presence. And it destroyed my... I said, this is what I want. So I thought being a preacher could help me get in his presence. Little did I realize it just, just has the opposite effect, don't you? <laughs> I said, but that's why, I, I said, the very thing, I said, you have a call on your life, just like I do. Because you have that same hunger in you for this invisible supernatural world that everybody has. You're just in touch with it. And you're sort of off a little bit. You know, because he was telling me, there's, no, there's neutral angels. The devil's really not that bad. <laughs> Anyways, let me get back to this. I just, I just think God really wants, the, the world's hungry for what we have right now. The world is hungry for what we have right now. The world is hungry for this supernatural world. They're not hungry for religion. They'll just kick you out the door over religion. And I don't blame them, because I'm not hungry for religion. But uh, let me get back to this. I was just so excited about that conversation, I couldn't even go to sleep last night. Um, the invisible kingdom is accessed by faith, this invisible world. Now, a few years ago, the Lord spoke to me, and this is what he said to me. He said, Byron, you cannot walk by faith and be in control at the same time. You can, and, and he said it, you can, he said, I have a heart for you to walk by faith, and you cannot walk by faith and be in control at the same time. They don't go together. They're, they're mutually exclu exclusive. You cannot be in control and be in walking faith. In other words, you can't see the invisible world. You can't live out of that world and be in control. You're going to have to let go of control. Okay? Now, we know this, okay? We've learned this. A lot of people who have control issues, they want to control the situation around them. They want to control people. It's because they have some sort of woundedness in their life. And if they feel like they can control everything around them, they're going to be safe, right? That's why people like to control and manipulate because they're trying to protect themselves. So people have to be healed sometimes of hurt in them to get over trying to control everything around them. Um, which, that's a great thing. But in my life, the issue of control wasn't necessarily trying to control people around me. It was inside of my mind. It's where I wanted control. Okay? And that's what only the Lord got to me with. Is Byron, you have a belief system and a, thought, a theology that have, has basically locked me out of your life. You're controlling what you believe about things. You're controlling what you think about things. And I want control of your mind. That's basically what he said to me. I want control of your mind. All right. Uh, are y'all okay with that? Okay. In particular, God wanted control of my theology. And everybody has a theology, a belief system. That's what a theology is. A belief is what we believe and how we live out our beliefs. And the Lord was saying to me, you're in control of your belief system. And I want, to be, I want to control your belief system. So he began to work on me. And, uh, and this, is a, this is, I was thinking about, this is crazy, I was thinking about this. Uh, I've had so many people in the last six months come up to me and say, Byron, you have really changed. At first it was sort of offensive to me, like, was I some kind of bad person or something? Lord, was I that bad that there's a noticeable change in my life? Then I realized this is the highest compliment you could get. You've really changed. You're a different person. And I wanted to tell you, uh, this is how the change happens. Romans 12, I'm still talking about faith. 
Okay, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Everybody knows this is the world-famous scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. All right, we're talking about a, tra- a change here. But be transformed by what? Be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Your mind is what has to change for your life to be changed. Your theology is what God was saying to me. Your theology has to change if your life is going to change. If your experiences with me is going to change, it has to change in here. Or do you just stay the way you are and motor along the way you are? You have to change in here. Okay? And when you change, when your mind changes, when your mind is renewed, then you can prove absolutely the will of God on every level. You can see the will of God. You can know the will of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? This is key for faith. Faith is not something you drum up. Faith is something that happens to a person who's living in a renewed state of their mind. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Renewed mind is not something that instantly happens. All of a sudden, everything's... It is a process. God is still renewing my mind. And probably the last breath I take on this earth will be the last moment of renewal of my mind. You know, He's still dealing with me. In my mind, this week he was bringing memory after memory after memory to me. I'm thinking, what is this? They were all great memories. The thing about it was, finally I figured out. Oh, the Lord's teaching me how to be real thankful for my past, because I've always lived in an unthankful state about my past. I hated my past. And he's starting to bring out. Hey, remember this? Remember this good thing? What are you going to do, Byron? I'm going to thank you, Lord. That's a great memory. Oh, yeah, and while you're doing that, pray for your mama because my mama was connected to that memory. So the eyes of your hearts are enlightened. That's how they are, by the renewing of your mind. Let me read one more scripture to you. Maybe maybe two more. Romans 1.21. This is one of my favorite scriptures now. I I keep lying. I keep telling everybody my favorites. This Romans, the book of Romans will teach you how to walk in the Spirit. It'll teach you how to access the Spiritual. That's what the whole book's about. It says... Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God nor were thankful. That's a whole teaching right there. That's that little sentence. Right? I mean, that's a massive amount of revelation right there. If you do those two things, glorify God, honor God, and honor each other, and be thankful, your, your life will change. Guaranteed. Because their life changed because they wouldn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't continue it. But it says they became futile in their thoughts, futile in their mind. Okay? Futile means lack of purpose, loss of purpose. That's what it means. And what? Their foolish hearts were darkened. I always wonder in the Bible, where's the connection between the mind and the heart, Lord? Because you want us to be heart people. You want us to live out of the heart. He said, it's right here in Romans. Your mind, if your mind is not renewed, your heart becomes darkened. Those eyes in there lose the ability to see. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The re, see, this renewed mind, if God is in your mind, if your mind's renewed, your heart's full of light, and if your heart's full of light, you can see. You can see spiritually, and you, then your faith can operate because your faith sees something that nobody else is seeing, like the centurion. Somehow he stumbled into a renewed mind before everybody else was getting it. And he saw something nobody else saw, and consequently his servant was healed. He got something from God that he desperately needed because he loved this person and he wanted them to be healed. 
He wasn't walking around with a dark heart. We think of a dark heart just as a bad heart. And it, and it ultimately comes that, go down to verse 28. Listen, this is powerful right here. Even as they did not like to retain God where? In their knowledge, in their mind. Renewed mind to Christ. Christians, a lot of Christians, God is not in their mind. And God gave them over to just start doing some bad stuff. Okay? He gave them over to a debased mind. See, their mind became dark. Their hearts became dark. Their mind became dark. That scripture, Proverbs 4.23, says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Y'all know that scripture? We've quoted that scripture for 90 years. Keep your heart, protect your heart, deal with your heart. How do you do it? Honestly, how do you, how do you protect your heart? How do you keep your eyes of your heart open? It's your mind. That's how you keep it. That's how you protect your heart. It's through the gate of your mind. And if your mind is full of God, your heart is going to be full of God and your heart's going to be full of light. But if you're not, if you don't have that mind of Christ operating in there, your heart will become darker and darker and darker and darker. And you'll lose the ability to see and you can't operate in faith because you can't see the invisible world to operate from there or hear the invisible world. Are y'all with me? It's the renewed mind of Christ in our minds. And this is the way you get that renewed mind of Christ in your mind. Invite Him in there. He's waiting for invitation because He doesn't automatically just jump up in there. Because He said to me, you've got too much control. Up there, let go of it. And that's the way it felt. I felt like, I, I felt like his hands were around my head, squeezing it. It was my hands. No, this is the way I believe it should be. And God was saying, no, it's not. Are y'all all right? So, <clears throat> let's go back to that. Let's go back to that Luke 7, 7 through 8. Okay? All right, therefore, I'm back to the centurion thing now. I talked to you about faith, how to have faith, how faith works. Okay? Simply this. Invite the mind of Christ. Let your mind become renewed. Your life's going to be transformed. Your heart's going to be full of light. Your heart's going to start seeing the invisible and hearing the invisible. It's that. That's the way faith works. Faith gives our hearts the eyes to see. And when we have the eyes to see, then we can get what we need. This guy had the eyes to see that Jesus could heal this guy 58 miles away by just speaking. He saw it and he got it. That's how it works. But if your dark heart's all dark, you don't think if Jesus could come in there and, and heal everybody and you still couldn't get what you needed. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? All right, back to this story. Back to what he was saying. I didn't think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word. Again, the word is logos. It's not rhema. There's two words in the Bible for word. One is logos, which is this the written-down expression of God's thoughts. The other one is rhema, which would be like a preceding word, a word that was spoken afresh. We all know the rhema word. You're reading the Bible, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, God just spoke this to me. This is revelation to me. I've never seen this before. This is reality to me. That's a rhema word of God. But this man didn't ask for that from Jesus. In fact, this man didn't even ask for Jesus' presence, which blows my mind. It was one of the things that blew my mind. Gosh, here's Jesus, and you're saying, don't even come to my house. Just say your Bible word. That's all I need. 
All I need is your Bible word. And my servant be healed. I don't even need your presence, your manifest presence. I'm thinking, this guy's the biggest idiot in the world. <laughs> you know, in my perspective. But he got, he got what he needed. Okay? And then he, he says, now this is important. For I also am a man placed under authority. Okay? Having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So this is what I came to one day, driving down the road. I said, Lord, I just want that. I want what that guy has, that centurion. I, I just want it, and I ask you to forgive me. I repent. I repent. I changed my mind, Lord, because my theology said this. This is what my theology said. If God doesn't give you a proceeding word, then you have nothing. I was raised on that. That's how it works. We just get this rhema word, and that's the only time we can be activated spiritually. But there in the Bible is a completely different situation. Here's a guy saying, this is what the Word of God says. Just say your word, Jesus. That's all I need. And I said, I'm changing my mind, Lord. And the Lord began to speak to me and reveal to me this issue. There's like two ways to access the kingdom of heaven. You know, as faith is a basis, number one is the anointing. Okay? There's probably other ways, but these are two ways I know right now. Okay? Let's just say there might be 22 ways, but I got two of them that God's really clearly spoken to me. Number one is this anointing. And this is what we experience at church it's the anointing of His presence. God, the Holy Spirit begins to move. Right? And you feel this anointed presence come. And when you feel that, your faith becomes activated because you're sitting here being blessed and being touched and you feel like God gives you something. You have boldness to step into it because you're in this great atmosphere. Okay? But when you go out there in the workplace, there's not going to be an anointing. The Holy Spirit's not moving and hovering. We don't have Sally up here singing a song that's touching our hearts and softening us. We have bad people at work. <laughs> and I was practicing this last night on this guy. There was no anointing there when I was talking to this guy. I felt as spiritual as a tin can. But I knew I could tap into heaven by the authority. Just what this guy did. See, here, and the problem is, is we get hung up this is what has happened with a lot of moves of God. Everybody gets in church. The anointing's wonderful. Oh, it's so great. I just love, I love the presence of God. Oh, yeah, thank you, Lord. Thus saith the Lord. You know, you're healed, brother. Get up. He gets healed. We got the anointing going. Then we go to work the next day, and we're like a bunch of crumbs because there's no anointing there. And we don't take what we got here out there because we're looking for something. We're trying to tap into the power source. We're trying to tap into the kingdom through the anointing. When the Lord said, no, it don't work like that out here. You tap into the kingdom through the authority out here. You tap into the kingdom through the authority. You have authority. You're a Christian. You're part of my family. You have authority to open the gate to this person. Feelings doesn't matter out there. Now, every once in a while out there, you get to talking, and the anointing comes in on the authority. And that's good, and that's sweet, but it don't have to. Yeah. So 
um, this was, there was this guy a few years ago, uh, I got a couple more minutes, named Charles Defon. Remember him? Indophone. We went to Africa. This guy irritated me beyond measure. I thought this guy is the most arrogant human being ever walked on earth. Because he walks around saying stuff like, you know, he'll read a scripture about the death and snap his finger and a deaf person was healed. And he would say, it's not me, it's the Word of God. And see, that was destroying my theology because I couldn't argue with the guy. He had results, you know? He had the results. I was sitting there saying, that can't work. That can't be right, God, because my theology says it's only a rhema word. You had to have some maybe gifted healing or some anointing working in your life to do this. And he was saying, no, that ain't the way that works for me. This is what the Bible says, and this is what we do. It's easy. So what he kept saying. Oh, and I thought he was so arrogant. You know Smith Wigglesworth? Some people think Smith Wigglesworth was a real arrogant person. And Smith Wigglesworth, because he made this statement. He said, I go into a meeting, and if the Spirit of the Lord doesn't move me, I move him. That's what Smith Wigglesworth said. I move God. If God doesn't move me, I move him. Because he understood those two things. He understood the anointing and he understood authority. He knew God had given him authority. And Well, there's no anointing here, but I have authority, so I'm going to do something. He would release, he would release what was in him into that place. Okay? That's what he did. That's how he operated. And people thought he was arrogant, like we thought Defon was arrogant. He wasn't arrogant. We were just stupid. You know, that's the way I look back at it now because, see, that's when God began to speak to me. Uh, Louise Sosa's grandmother was telling about the revival. She was in with this guy, Clifford, what was his name? Clifford Long, this missionary that was down there in uh, Resistencia back when she was a young woman. She's an old woman now. And she was, he was ministering to the Indian people, the, the indigenous people who lived there in Argentina. And uh, he went to this place, and there was this... Indians now were full of tuberculosis and they were dying. There was one laying on the ground throwing up blood, wallowing in the ground, dying. And there's a bunch of other in there sick and dying. And he reads Isaiah 53. That's all he does. And this guy on the ground jumps up 100% healed. And when he did, everybody else in the room got healed. A bunch of the Indians, ignorant Indians, they just heard the Logos and it healed them. And she told me about that. And I'm thinking... Oh, no. What was she telling me? Oh, no. It's that daggone thing about the centurion again, Lord. That was one of the things she told me. You know what the other thing she told me? Son, you want revival? You need to get low. That's what she told She told me those Indians stunk so bad because they ate some kind of bark off a tree. She said they stunk so bad that nobody would go to these meetings. They stunk. God was starting to move. There was miracles starting to happen. Nobody would go. But she, she went one day because she was desperate for God. And she figured, I'll just go in there and put up with the stink. She goes in there and she said it was the most beautiful smell that she'd ever smelled. The Lord released His fragrance into the room. And she saw that same thing. Who needs healing? A line of people lines up. The guy doesn't even touch one of them. He reads Isaiah 53. Like dominoes, they get healed. Because of the power and authority that this guy had, you know, he had, his authority that he had in the Word of God tapped him into the kingdom of heaven and released it. So what God wants to do is He wants to teach us how to live under the anointing when we're in meetings with other Christians and being blessed and the power of God's flowing. 
we want that, but we also need to walk out the door into our lives and realize that anointing may not be there. Those feelings, that sweetness is not going to necessarily be there. But you have authority to do the same thing. You just need to dial into the right source. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? We can do, we can see healings, we can see miracles, we can see God touch people's lives. The last thing that guy said to me last night, the last little conversation he said to me, he said, well, I know this about, he said, I know this about the Bible. Jesus said that we would do greater works. Tell me why the church is not doing that. Tell me why it's not. That was the guy challenged me. And I said, well, I can tell you some reasons. You know, I talked to him about the leavens of you know, that we heard on the meeting. You know, there's, you know, we're eat up with religion. We're eat up with political spirits and all that. I said, but I'm going to tell you this. God's doing a new thing. I said, we're in a new spiritual season. He said, I know that. I can tell we are. Tell me when you think this thing is going to, the tipping point on this thing is going to happen. That's what he said to me. This is an unsaved person. I said, I don't know when it's going to be. He think it'll be by 2025. That's what he said to me. That's what he said. This is crazy. I said, well, I, I, I can tell you this. I have gambled my whole life on this. I have put everything. I said, you know, like a, a poker player. He puts all his chips. He puts his, his mortgage, his deed. He puts it all up there and says, I'm betting it all on this. I said, I have bet everything I've got in my life that there is going to be a spiritual awakening in our country. And we are going to see a wave of the Spirit come in our nation, not just in the churches, but our nation is going to change us. I said, it's already started. I told him about 7-7. He said, wow. I said, there's a bunch of kids up there praying and fasting and worshiping. They weren't up there for a concert. Wow. People in the world are asking a question. Why is the church not doing it? One of the reasons we ain't doing it is because we're looking for the anointing out there instead of taking our authority as believers and using it out there. And God is, that's what he was saying to me, use your authority. What does the Word say? Go on that. And we can tap into the power of heaven with our authority as believers. Every believer has authority. And God wants to teach us how to do all that stuff. He wants to teach us about the anointed, how to operate under the anointing, anointed presence of God. And I believe that was the thing that really has distorted a lot of moves of God, that they never got the authority thing to go out there with it. They kept going out there trying to have meetings out there, and, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to move, and these people saying, what? You know, they don't need that. They need a real word from God to come, and that'll change their life. So that's, the, that's, that's my story. You know, what's yours? <laughs> uh, let me, here's another one. Let me just tell you this. This, this is what. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, two people peered up. Moses had a rod of authority. Elijah had a mantle of anointing. Both of them used what they had. Moses used that thing to hit the water, separate things, separate the Red Sea, separate... Uh, Elijah used the same, but he used his anointing. And, and they both appeared there talking to Jesus, saying that you can, you got, we've got both of these. We have, a, we have a rod of authority, and we have a mantle of anointing. God wants to teach us when to use the rod of authority and teach us when to use the, rod, the mantle of, of anointing. Sometimes we, we'll use both you know, together. Sometimes we'll just use one of them. I would say to you, when you're out there in the world, it's going to be mainly your rod of authority that you use that. Okay? 
Don't look for the anointing. Don't look for feelings. Don't, oh, the presence of God. Forget that. Use your authority on people out there. Open. That's how you open heaven to them, is with authority. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? I'm giving you practical advice this morning on how to bring the kingdom into the world around you. Okay? And God wants us to do that. Really wants us to do that. So let's stand and ask the Lord to be kind to us. <laughs> oh, the Lord's so kind is crazy. We have been so messed up thinking God was mad. Some people think church is a bad thing. You know, that's just an old trick from the devil. That church, you know, the devil has convinced us that church is bad. It's gone bad. You know, the church is bad. You know, it beats up people. All oh, the church, you know, God's mean. He doesn't want you to eat from that tree. It's all the same trick. He's going to convince us that the body of Christ will be the most glorious thing on the earth. Because we have been into a lie about the church and we've become the lie we've believed. If we'll start believing that Jesus says, I'm going to have a bride without spot or wrinkle. That's the Word of God. Oh, I'm going to bite into that and I believe the church will be a glorious church in the earth. And we'll become that glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Instead of believing the lie like Satan's told Eve in the garden, like, well, God just don't want you having anything. You're crummy, he's crummy, everybody's crummy, and I can fix everything for you. That's about, I mean, that's my rendition of that. I have a heart for the church because the Lord doesn't want us to talk bad about his bride, you know? He really doesn't. He wants us to love the bride of Christ. So I just pray you get that this morning and get a revelation of your authority, of your rod. Everybody hold your hand out. Say, Lord, I'm taking my rod this morning my rod of authority. Lord, I'm taking my mantle this morning, my mantle of anointing. And Father, I pray right now you would come and renew my mind so my eyes could see, my spiritual eyes could see. And I could operate in faith with my rod and my mantle. And I could bring your kingdom and your will into the lives of those around me, into my city, into my home, into my workplace, into my friends out there in the world. Lord, I just really want to do that. So I'm bowing to you this morning, and I'm going to be your student. I'm going to let you teach me how to do this. So please renew my mind. Begin. I, let's all say this. Repeat after me. Father... I ask for the Holy Spirit to come now with the mind of Christ more into my mind. If you've never invited, that'll be your first time. That's a good prayer. More into my mind. Heal my mind more. Let your mind come forward more. I'm releasing control over my theology today. How I believe it should be. I'm giving you permission Give me new thoughts, new views. Renew my mind so my life can be transformed, so I can be a different person. I, it's not about my ministry. It's not whether I preach good or lay hands good. It's about my life being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. So we say, let it come now, Lord. We thank you, Lord. This is our inheritance. Bless you, Lord.
Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Where are we? I'm not. So we're going to end on a song. I think uh, maybe you know we could do a ministry time. Y'all take over. I'm confused. Right? I just now. really felt like that was ministry time. Yeah. I mean, we really all need that. But yeah. I do want to encourage if anybody really wants prayer or needs prayer, we do have uh, prayer available, intercessors available. So I want to encourage you to come up for that, for more of that, because I just felt like this was a revelation today. You know, realizing that in the world. We need this, and we're not walking in it. But God wants us to start walking in it. So just come up for prayer if you want prayer. If you really are hungry for this, you know, we all need more of that release to us. So, amen.